Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Let's glow. I got a new sponsor. It is Loma Leak Anti-Aging Facial Oil by Gwen Osborne. It is a high-performance luxury face oil. Loma Leak is the first ever facial oil with Renovage, the most exciting anti-aging ingredient on the market today. This oil delivers a new level of cellular healing and deep repair by speeding up the skin's own healing process. I love this facial oil, you guys. Not only does it smell amazing, it works. It helps smooth like the fine lines and the wrinkles. It reduces dark spots. It evens out skin tone. I love it. Get your Loma Leak anti-aging facial oil at lomaleekskin.com. That's L-O-M-O-L-I-Q-E skin.com. Welcome. I'm Liz Swadek, your warrior woman host and best gal pal. Today, we are talking about the joy of quitting. Oh, I know. Warrior women never quit, right? Wrong. Our guest today helps us reframe quitting. Instead of it being a failure, could it be an act of generosity? Well, we're going to find out. Thank you for joining me today. I know you could be spending your time with a million other things in a myriad of ways and that you're juggling a busy life. I'm grateful you're here listening. Speaking of listening, our fan of the week this week is a little surprising. East 1009 writes, I stumbled across this podcast and wasn't sure what to expect. As soon as I heard the voice of the host, Liz, I was hooked. And I'm no warrior woman. I'm a 48-year-old guy. The guests are interesting and the host is fun. Great podcast. Well, thank you, East1009. I appreciate that. And I love that men are listening too. If you want to be fan of the week, leave me a five-star review on Apple iTunes. It only takes a second, and it lets more people know about this podcast. Thank you in advance. While you're there, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Want to know how I found the house of my dreams? My real estate agent, Angelo Fierro. Angelo, is this really the time we should be buying or selling a house? It's the best time. It's a record year. Sellers are seeing the highest prices ever in the history of L.A., and for buyers, interest rates have never been this low, 2.7% for a 30-year fix. It's the best time to buy. Oh, my God. Well, what about COVID, though, Angela? Like, that's kind of a mm. freaky time. Like, how do you handle yeah. that? We take care of everything. We steam clean the house before showings and staging. We clean during, and we adhere to wearing masks, gloves, and booties. Okay, but what if I'm a tired mother? You know, this is a The Warrior Woman podcast. We're tired, Angelo. How are you going to, can you handle some of this for us? Like, how do we do this? We do it, we do it, our team does it, Encompass does it. Compass Concierge fronts the money to prep and stage your home so you don't have to. And then we get your nice massage after the close. Ooh, a massage, I'm gonna hold you to that one. All right, everybody, this is Angelo Fierro, my favorite agent at Compass Concierge. You can get in touch with them at asklosangelo at gmail. That's asklosangelo at gmail, or call them 323-821. Five three five three. Thanks, Angelo. Thank you, Liz. Today on the show, Kanor Bahal. Kanor is the founder and CEO of Mindhatch, 
which delivers design thinking, organizational improv, innovation, and facilitation to companies and organizations. She is also the author of I Quit, The Life-Affirming Joy of Giving Up, which helps readers reframe quitting by sharing the stories of people who have had the courage to quit things in their lives. Kenora also has been doing comedy and improv for 10 years, which makes her a great speaker, a great thinker, and an innovation strategist. Oh my God, I can't even wait to talk to her today. Welcome to the show, Kenora. Thank you. I'm so psyched to be here. Thank you so much. I mean, I told you this already. Your title of your book is like killing me. I, I, I really, because it's, I, I am your perfect person to talk to because I have all the shame and all the stuff on the quitting. We're going to really get into this today. We're going to do some like deep therapy on my quiz. Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. I am not trained in therapy or anything <laughs> like therapy, but you're, you're trained on quitting. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> trained in, in the positive attributes of, of quitting. <laughs> but I want to start, I want to go back because I always think sometimes, especially when you, with your improv background, which fascinates me, I, I did improv for years. So I feel you. Oh, I, feel, I feel our sisterhood there. Yeah. Um, but I want to know about what it was like when you were younger, your background, because sometimes I think it does inform kind of where we end up, but sometimes not. So tell me about when you were younger, your background, and what you thought you would be when you grew up. Yeah, I love that question, because I think only I could see the connections between what I said I wanted to do when I was three and what I'm doing now. <laughs> and so, um, so my background is, you know, I grew up, I'm mean, the daughter of immigrants, South Asian family, grew up in rural Ohio, older brother, and what I wanted to be, you know, it's interesting, like I, I first heard about what I wanted to be when I was little from other people telling me their memories because I was so young, like I didn't even remember what I was saying. But apparently from the time I was like three or four years old, if like an aunt or a relative asked me, hey, what do you want to be when you're when you grow up? I think I, what they told me I would say was, I'm going to Hollywood. And so I think that was like my, my childhood sense of like what I wanted to be when I grew up at a very, very young age. And actually that stuck for a long time. So I did definitely harbor a desire to work in entertainment. So by the time I got to college, I was more interested in like the, the business side of it. So like producing, maybe writing, that sort of thing. And I went to college in New York City and every single semester I had an internship and every single internship I did was related to working in the entertainment field in some capacity, you know, and, um, and then like my senior year came around and I was like, oof. I don't think I want to ever live in Los Angeles. I apologize. I know Liz, you are in Los I Angeles. Know, right I now. know. Listen, I'd never live anywhere else. So I'd totally <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> and and so that really was like record scratch. You know, like, okay, well, you know, at the time it was like early 2000s, the kind of production scene for TV and movies in New York was very much freelance. And at the time I was like really, really dedicated to like, I just want to be financially secure. You know, I don't want to do the freelance gig to gig kind of kind of thing, which at that time, you know, entertainment in New York was that way. I didn't want to live in LA where there were actually like salaried jobs to be had. And so I made an abrupt shift and uh, didn't do that. And instead went to grad school for like international affairs, which is like my second love and second passion. And um, so yeah, that's what I wanted to be when I, when I was growing up. And then at the age of like 21, 22, kind of was like, Ooh, I don't think so anymore. I, I think that's interesting, but you are you are doing improv, which is kind of Hollywood. I just want to say so I am doing okay. improv. Yeah, there's a, there's a performing thing in there. 
Yeah, I, I've never let go of the performing ever. Yeah. yeah, I've never let go of that kind of like creative outlet for sure. But like in terms of like what I do now though, and yeah. maybe we'll get to it, is so much about like business meets creativity. Oh yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, when I wanted to work in Hollywood, you know, it was yeah. on the business side that I was more attracted to. And so it's interesting, like I can kind of draw a semi-direct line to like why I would be interested in that, you know, 30 years ago. And then what I'm doing now, now, you know, so it doesn't right. seem so distant. Yeah. All the guests love that question, by the way. It's really <laughs> funny. They all love it. I think it's because we don't think about it all the time, right? We're not always yeah. thinking about like, what, what did we think when we were little and what did we think about ourselves and all the things. But anyway, you do have a very unique profession. I mean, I, I'm just <laughs> reading things like you do design thinking and mm-hmm. organizational improv and all these things. I'm like, hmm, these are all like terms that I don't really like put together, you know, like, and I love yeah. it. So you have a very kind of unique profession. So tell me about how you arrived. What's your, what was your career path? Yeah. So my career path, I'll pick up where I, I left off. So I decided to go to graduate school to work in international affairs. And I got a job in my field a few months after graduation. I moved to Washington, D.C. And then three months in, I got sexually harassed in my first job after grad school. And that was like another record scratch. It was like, oh, crap, you know. And so, you know, and and it was that reason, but also a lot of other things that I was learning about my organization and learning about the industry that I just didn't like, you know, like, and I went into this job thinking I would do that career the rest of my life. I was really dedicated to being like a social do-gooder and like, no, I want to work in nonprofits, you know, and I want to help people more vulnerable than me. I was very motivated by that mission. And then all these things happened, including being sexually harassed. And I realized like, wow, like mission is not enough for me. Like I really like realized real quickly, like, okay, culture matters a lot to me, you know, being collaborative and problem solving matters a lot to me. It was like, uh, you know, I learned a lot really quickly about what I wanted from work and what I didn't and what I wasn't willing to put up with to get what I wanted, you know? And so, but yeah, that was a really abrupt shift. Like I really thought I was going to do that the rest of my life. And then within three months, it just evaporated. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this for even another year, you know, let alone the rest of my career. But that actually indirectly led me to go into management consulting, you know, which I'll, thankfully they take all kinds and all backgrounds. And the reason why I did that was because I was really passionate about the idea of social innovation and social entrepreneurship at the time. And, and I thought to myself, okay, well, let me go get some business experience. And then I can bring that back to the social sector. And so I went to a big four management consulting firm and it was really great. I got to work in innovation, learn design thinking, what I'm doing now, start teaching design thinking. And it was great. It was really wonderful for me to really kind of identify and isolate my passions. Right. And, um, And one thing that I learned was that I loved kind of applied innovation and applied creativity, no matter the sector. Didn't have to be social, could be corporate. You know, I was really learned that what motivated me and motivates me to this day are like practicing and applying the methods that I really believe in. So, And you've worked with some huge companies. I mean, you've worked with Starbucks, like what what kind, so what, explain more about like what you really do for companies like that. Like, I know. Yeah. (laughs) They get kind of stuck and they like, don't know how to kind of be free and, and dream. And is it that, is it like the corporate thing is so constricting? They don't know how to innovate. 
Yeah. So that's definitely part of it. You know, I, I, I don't want to say that is specifically my Starbucks clients, yes. kind of, you know, challenge, but, um, yeah. but I'd say the challenges that I kind of help with relate from everywhere from that fundamental level of like, oh my gosh, our company was set up to be like a factory, you know, and we're still working like a factory, which so many organizations are. And so they are, they don't have like the bones or like the, the apparatus in place or the people in place to kind of think about the future and think innovatively, you know, they're in kind of maintenance mode, right. As opposed to like reinvention and kind of like trying to mitigate the risk of like when the economy and the world is changing around them, you know, how do they kind of uh, not only adapt, but maybe even like lead, you know, lead in that. And so a lot of it is coming in sometimes to like help with cultures of innovation, right. But, or even processes of innovation. Um, And then sometimes I work with clients that are, you know, maybe further along in the development chain, but they just, they just don't have like their resources. They don't have the people who have the expertise that I have, you know, they have the culture, they have the will, but they just lack the expertise, you know? And so they bring, bring people like me in to kind of um, collaborate almost side by side, elbow to elbow, you know, with their, with their staff to take them through like an innovation process to develop actual solutions for customers. So it can really span the breadth of like culture change to actually like more kind of tactical, like we want to use this innovative process of design thinking to come to new and better solutions for our customers. So then what do you think is, and I'm just going to ask you just because you know these things, what do you think the most important key to innovation is? I know it's probably hard to pick one thing, but I, I feel yeah, like- Yeah, it really is. You know, I, th- I, I'm, I really want to say mindset. I think it's mindset because- even the, the methodology for innovation that I use, which is design thinking, is also sometimes called human-centered design. You know, and I've written about this where you have to do with it integrity. You know, it's not just like a plug and chug process. It's not just like, okay, we're going to do XYZ and then we're going to get ABC. You have to make sure you're doing XYZ with the right mindset, the right intention, that you're doing it with integrity, right? Uh, to make sure that what you get out of it is actual quality. So I really do think um, mindset is really, really important um, uh, throughout any piece that you're doing, whether it's trying to change your culture or it is trying to like tactically apply this process to kind of create a new and better solution. So I think mindsets are a lot of what I happen to kind of, I end up coaching people on when I'm coaching them through the process. You know, it's like telling them like, why do we want to do this? Or maybe questioning why they want to maybe rush to do this, even though what we heard from customers has certainly validated, you know? And so it is, uh, I've also written about how design thinking is really the scientific method for innovation, you know, like um, that's really what it is. You like research, you test, you validate, you test, you validate. And um, it really shouldn't be considered, considered innovative. (laughs) I hope by the time space. Yeah, I hope by the time I die, you know, design thinking is the quote unquote traditional way things are done because it is so logical. It's really good for mitigating risk, you know, but also creating new and better things. So Yeah, so, well, it sounds like it. I love the title of your book. I told you, you. I, I mentioned the title to my kids and they were like, what? You know, so, I love it. I quit the life-affirming so curious. Yeah, the life the life affirming joy of giving up. I mean, I, it just goes against everything that I think. <laughs> um, but I, I want to know what made you curious about that concept of quitting? Like what, and, and maybe what surprised you when you were kind of putting this together? What made me interested in writing a book, and I actually came up with the title before I ever even 
thought I would write a book like at all. I had the idea for years, never thought I'd do anything with it. Cause it was like, Oh, I got a business to run. You know, like I don't, I'm not a writer. You know, I'm not someone who like journals every day or needs to kind of like put themselves on the page all the time, you know? And so the origin of the idea is really around like how I came to really rethink and reframe quitting. And it came through me quitting stuff, you know, and me being the overachieving perfectionist, do the right thing kind of individual in high school, college, and even graduate school, you know, and then that example of like my first real job after graduate school, just within three months, it just being like torn apart, you know, and, and what that did for me was, well, first of all, I quit and I quit because I knew that this job was not a match for my values, you know, and like what I experienced there helped me understand what my values were and what my priorities were. And I knew it wasn't a match. And so it was a quit. Like I I quit that job, that whole career for unemployment. You know, that was how important it was to me to not be in that environment, you know? And so it was a real moment of clarity for me around like, hey, both the clarity around learning that, okay, hard work doesn't always pay off. (laughs) Also the clarity around, okay, like when you're definitely when you're a woman and a woman of color, but I'm sure everyone experiences this, the things that you're kind of rewarded for in high school, college, graduate school, aren't really the same things you're asked for when you enter the workplace. So I started to realize that like, okay, working for other people is not a meritocracy in the way that school had been for me, you know? And so kind of having that clarity made these quits really, really good for me. And it really allowed me to like pivot and iterate on my own career and my own life, like so much more quickly and get to where I wanted to be so much more quickly, you know? And so, you know, having a couple of different work quits, a couple of different boyfriend quits, a couple, many actually city quits, you know, like I, they were all forward momentum. They're all progress for me. You so know? that was probably so, a shock, right? You're looking yeah. at and saying, wait, there's some, yeah, there's it was like, wait a second. I'm a quitter, but I'm not a failure. I'm a quitter, but I also have good character and I still like live up to my commitments, you know, but it's just kind of like, like both of those can coexist, you know, which you don't really get told in society, which is why your kids are probably so surprised, you know, at the title of the book, you know, because in society, we're raised with this like awful sentiment of like quitters never win, you know, and never give up, you know, but like, Sometimes it's a good idea to do that, when it, especially when it's a violation of your values, right? And what you, what you stand for. So that was kind of the origin. Yeah. And then the reason why the book is a collection of people's quitting stories is actually because when I founded Mindhatch seven years ago, I didn't know what I was doing. I like, I quit my day job and I was like, I'm going to like work for myself because I want to do these things full time. And, uh, and I was just going on any coffee chat I could go on with anyone, anyone who would say yes. It's like, yeah, let's go get coffee. And you know how America is. And, you know, I was living in DC at the time, which is like America on steroids sometimes. And like you, you kind of like meet one-on-one and like what you do to get to know each other is the first thing you do is you talk about your jobs, right? You talk about your resume. You basically kind of like talk about your resume. And so I was listening to people tell me, you know, like, oh, and then I quit that job and then I left that job. And then I moved away from that city, you know, and I found myself always being like, wait, 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 like, tell me more about that. Like, I want to hear more about, you know, why you left that job. 
And I realized that from doing that, I just loved hearing these stories from people because I got to know them so much more quickly. I got to know, like, again, what their beliefs are, their values, what their trade-offs were, you know, it was a really great way to kind of just get to know someone better. So I think we are, what we quit is really like a reflection of who we are, you know, and yeah, yeah. And so that's why the quitting stories piece, you know, and so, um, so I quit the life affirming joy of giving up is every chapter is someone's story who I interviewed about something they quit. And I also include like some kind of snippets and like, you know, personal narrative around things that I've quit or my own kind of thoughts on quitting. Oh yeah. Oh no, we're getting into that. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going there, uh, but I want to know Let's first of all, I want to know, why do you think there's such shame around it? I mean, I know for me, there's mm-hmm. like a pride in finishing and yeah. that comes from, I had some parents that didn't finish things. Oh, and interesting. They seemed to really carry that burden. So I really made a decision that I would be a finisher, that I was going to complete things. And it, but sometimes it tortures me. Like sometimes I'm reading a book and I'm like, I hate this fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to read this book anymore. Kenora, I don't want to read it. Damn it. Yeah. First, I'm going to read your book cover to cover. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost become stupid sometimes. Like my level of, I will not quit, you know, yeah. I want to like prove something or something. I don't know. I mean, it's not that mm-hmm. I've never quit things. Of course I have, but why do you think there's so much like shame? Like why do, and, and why should we reframe it, frame it? Yeah. Well, first of all, I definitely sympathize with you on the finishing book thing. And like, I'm, I've always been someone who like, even if I'm hating the movie, I'll still finish it. Cause I want to be able to judge it on the totality. Um, but I actually just like a year or two ago, I did not finish a book because I was not enjoying it so much. And that was new for me. And I was like, wait, I don't have to finish this. This sucks. I don't want to finish it. So I'm not gonna. And um, you just reminded me of that, you know, and it was like a best-selling book, you know, and I thought for sure I'd love it, but I didn't finish it, you know, and um, usually I do. So I think there's like this difference between being a completionist and being anti-quit, you know? So I think both can exist. Like I, like you, I get a lot of satisfaction from checking off a box, right? I get a lot of satisfaction from doing those things, but where the satisfaction comes in is because I know it's like part of my value system, right? Yes. Um, whereas I don't have qualms around stopping something if it's a violation of my values, right? And so I think it's all about like your own personal trade-off and reasons why, right? Like, um, like if you're gonna stop reading a book because you decide that you'd rather spend time with your kids, cool. That's like embedded in your value system, you know? So I went into the book uh, with an assumption that was disproved. I went into writing the book thinking that this was kind of uh, an American thing. I went into the book thinking it was all about our like horrible legacy of Puritanism and the Puritan work ethic, right? And um, I went into that with that, uh, for me, being raised in America, like that was kind of like my perspective and where I thought I came from. Um, in addition to kind of like the, the the immigrant story, you know, of like, you know, wanting to excel, you know, and being- Never say die, just keep going. Right, yeah, yeah. There's also that part of like the achievement part of it, right? Um, um, and then in writing the book, I was really lucky. I got a lot of interest from people I didn't know who wanted to be interviewed and share their stories with me. And it just happened to be that I talked to people who were like 
partly raised in Africa and the UK. And I talked to a lot of other like East and South Asian people and people who grew up in other countries. And it really seems to be a fucking global thing. We're like, wow, quitting is like, yes, quitting is so stigmatized in so many cultures, right? And it it wasn't an American thing, like I thought it was, you know. And so, um, yeah. And so the book, kind of like almost by accident, also like talks a lot about like race and ethnicity and culture as well, you know, depending on the story and like you know where people's. stigma came from Mm -hmm. and because those are the hurdles they had to overcome like that's where they had to get the courage to quit is like to get over those hurdles right and be okay with the sacrifices that that would entail you know and so um so where it comes from is is us you know I think it's like fear of change which is a very human thing which thankfully I don't have so maybe I'm not human. I don't know, but um, (laughs) um, maybe I'm a sociopath. I don't know, but there really is this like fear of change. Like we equate, I think one thing I write about in the book is, well, in in my years of kind of counseling people in their own career transitions, I found myself saying a lot like, well, it's a risk if you do, and it's a risk if you don't. Right. And I think what we've let ourselves be tricked into thinking is that not changing, not quitting, is somehow less risky than changing or quitting. And we don't know that, right? Like we kind of trick ourselves into thinking that staying still and like towing the line and sticking it out is like less risky, but we have no proof of that, right? Sometimes sticking it out, if it's like in violation of who you are and what you believe, that's really risky, right? And um, and change is like usually not as bad as we think it is, you know, when we're on the other side. So some, of of, some of this not quitting then yeah. is just being afraid to make a change. And so you say to yourself, yeah. I'm going to quit, you know? Yeah. And you have like worst case scenario thinking, you know, but the, the thing, well, what one part of the reframe that I hope people will take from the book is that quitting, of course, is a choice, right? But so is not quitting, right? And if you can view your your act of staying put as a decision that you're making, great. That could be the best decision for you and like own that, right? But just know that it is a decision you're making. It's not the delay of a decision, right? Yeah. And it's make sure you're making active choices in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I love I love thinking of not quitting as a choice too. Yeah. You gotta really <laughs> ride. That's a way to really like assess what's really, really happening. <laughs> What do you think the most important things that you have quit are? Oh, uh, definitely jobs. I think the jobs I've quit have have really, like I said before, like propelled me forward and gotten me to where I wanted to be a lot more quickly. Um, I got a divorce last year, so I, I would be remiss to say that that wasn't important. <laughs> you know, I think um, it was definitely important uh, in terms of like upholding my own sense of self-worth and character and values, you know, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think also like, um, sense of place is really important to me. Like I've quit a lot of cities, some kind of intentionally because I didn't really like them. Some just because I was raring for a change, you know, uh, cause why not? And I think, um, I think the cumulative effect of that, the importance of that has been just, you know, having different experiences and knowing different people and, um, 
knowing what it is that I want out of an American city, knowing the limitations of American cities <laughs> and what I can't have. So, um, um, yeah, so I think, I think definitely I, I, I advocate people doing uh, a quitting inventory for themselves. Oh, what is that? Uh, just, that? just listing out all your quits. Uh, a lot of people might think that like, oh, I've never quit anything. But if you kind of look at it, like the sections of the book are about quitting habits, quitting people, quitting identities, quitting aspirations. Um, I think if you kind of look at the sections of the book, you might realize, oh, wait, I did quit stuff. You know what? You're blowing my mind right now because I was literally thinking, I haven't really quit anything. Yeah. What's coming to your mind? Really thinking about that. And then when you said quitting people, I was like, well, of course, right? Ah. We all have friendships that we've let go of. Mm-hmm. I have a, a, a toxic kind of family dynamic. I quit that. That was a 40 year thing in the making that I quit. You will love the chapter that's titled, I quit my mom. You will love that. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I didn't <laughs> quit my mom. I quit my sister, but I didn't yeah. quit my mom. But, but my, I guess my point is I didn't even think of that and, yeah. and, and doing things like that and, and more owning that and not feeling like that is a bad thing yeah. is kind of a great service there. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing that really, a couple of other kind of surprises in talking to people was um, just kind of like, it allowed me to really realize that. So you, you hear the phrase a lot from people in the book of like, oh, this was no longer serving me. And I think it's too easy for someone to look at that and say, oh, well, quitting is a selfish act. You know, it's like you're doing it just for you. Right. But what I really realized from talking to these people is that making a choice for yourself can also coexist with generosity because some people were quitting things because they're like, oh, I knew someone else was there to take my place and I wouldn't leave anyone in the lurch, right? Or I knew it would be better for this person, you know? So I think both those things can coexist. Um, another thing that I wasn't expecting to realize was that sometimes quitting is an act of privilege, you know? And especially quitting a job. Oh, 100%, right? Like 100% or quitting a city. All those things take money, right? Like to have money or support or, right. Yeah, exactly. And so I, uh, you know, referenced that in a couple of the stories, um, you know, including my own kind of, you know, when I decided to end my marriage, like, I mean, the next day, just like the flood of privilege, came over me. I was like, oh my God, I can make this decision because I know I'll still have a roof over my head. I know I'll still have my own income. I know I'll have food, you know? Um, and it just really like, uh, really dawned on me just how many people don't have that ability or that choice. Yeah. And I donated a part of the proceeds of my presale to a, an organization called um, Her Justice in New York, actually, that that uh, helps provides free legal help to women trying to get out of out of marriages. So, oh, um, that's so fantastic! Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you're doing that. That's amazing. Well, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell me, what do you? So, if we're if we're going to try to recognize mm-hmm. kind of the difference between good quitting and bad quitting, other than knowing yeah. it's sort of like, I mean, you're. I, I love this whole thing because I think a lot of women are are, are thinking right now. They're thinking, okay, well. If I quit that, I'm going to make that person feel bad. If I quit that, that person's going to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. If I put myself first, which I, you guys know, you warrior women, you know, I'm always lecturing you about not <laughs> only putting yourself back on the list, but putting yourself first. And that is hard because you disappoint people. Mm-hmm. But thinking of this quitting, other than the fact of being a moral thing, right? Like you were saying about your job, you're sexually harassed. Okay, well, you know what? I, that's not a safe place, a good place for me. I'm quitting. Goodbye. Yeah. Right. 
but what are some other ways we can look at the difference between good quitting and kind of bad quitting? Yeah. So the first thing I want to say is that it is very individual because it is about your values and your trade-offs, right? Um, so case in point, I, <laughs> I do improv now and have for 10 years. The first chance I had at it was in college. I went to the first class, got shit scared and never went back. Always regretted it, right? I unquit that quit eventually. Awesome. I recently spoke to someone <laughs> for, for her podcast. Turns out she had also quit improv in college. She had the exact same story in the exact same moment of our lives <laughs> where she went to improv class and it was like, fuck this. And she quit it. For me, quitting improv in college was one of the worst decisions I made because it did not track with who I wanted to be or my values. For her, it was the best decision of her life, you know? And so, so and she like didn't look back, was so happy, you know? And so just case in point, like we both quit the same things, but we had totally different reactions to it, right? I had regret, she had no regret. So I just want to underline that it's such an individual choice, right? So the book is intentionally not a how to quit or when to quit book. But this idea about good quit and bad quit, it really just comes back down to kind of like, you know, does it match your values? Does it match what you stand for? Does it match the risk that you're willing to take? You know? And so are you betraying yourself, frankly, betraying yourself by not quitting? Exactly. Like who are you not quitting for? Right. Mm -hmm. Are you not quitting the job because you're afraid that your parents or your friends will say something? Are you not quitting your career are you not quitting your marriage because you're afraid of what your friends or your family yeah. will think? What are you not quitting and why, right? Definitely. That's a really interesting question. Yeah. I think that's also a, a bit of a through line through many of the stories in the book. It's, you know, people realizing that they they wanted to stop living their lives for other people. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, that is, I mean, I love that. I love that, that at the heart of your book, that's sort of what it's about. I mean, that's that's incredible because again, it flies in the face when you hear, that's why I love that you said the life affirming joy of quitting. Like you <laughs> quitting, feel like it's like a spa experience. I'm like, what is this? It's amazing. So I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that that's about, it's about being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, tell me what's next for you. Oh gosh, what's next for me? I mean, you're taking this book out wide. That's really what's next for you. I'm kind of like, okay, what am I doing? Like in the next ten minutes, it's like, okay, I need to eat lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, eating lunch. (laughs) Well, you know what? It could be. You you can even have that answer. Whatever you (laughs) want. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, What's next for me is really just continuing the book tour. um, For the book, it's going to be released at the end of April, but it's available to pre-order now. And, um, yeah, so just really just pounding the pavement and getting the message out. Thank you so much for allowing me to do so. Um, I'm starting to book speaking engagements related to the book, but also the work that I do, uh, through my company and, and yeah, and just, you know, trying to get word out there and hoping to change some people's minds and lives. And well, you uh, definitely changed my mind. Uh, <laughs> thanks. That, is, that is not easy to do, by the way. Ask my gonna, husband. Nice. <laughs> what are you going to quit next? What do you have in mind to quit next? You know what? I, I think it's more things like, um, quit, quit having, holding myself to such a high standard to mm-hmm. the point where it stresses me out. Yeah. You know I mean? Like I I'm having such a week where I'm 
really having a moderation week. Like I'm not drinking too much. I'm not eating too much. I'm not, I'm working out, but I'm not working out every single day. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm starting to realize that my happiness lies in the moderation and then I need to quit kind of this thinking that I have that if it's not five days a week, 24 hours a day, it's not, it's not right. That all or nothing thinking. Yeah. I, during the pandemic, that's something I've started, I'm trying to be better about where it's like, I used to be, okay, I'm going to exercise, but only if I can do like an hour long, super intense workout. And if I don't have the time to do that, I'll do nothing. But now I'm trying to like switch my mind and be like, okay, well, even if you don't do that today, just go for a walk. Just do something, you know, like don't do that. minutes is enough actually. I know. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of newly just in the past few months trying to incorporate that into like my own mindset of like, you don't have to be all or nothing when it comes to physical activity, you know, and like have like then like the, the guilt or the regret or being hard on yourself for like not having time for that hour long, tough workout, you know, or not having the energy for it, you know, just do something. Yeah. Well, I am, I am adding you to, so each, each, uh, month, I have kind of a word that I kind of go deep on. And so for a while it was devotion, uh, coming up, I have some different words, but I, I've been, as we're talking on this podcast, I I've been exploring the word vitality and I did not think that you would go in that category, Kenor, but now that I've spoken (laughs) to you, I think that's exactly where you need to go because the quitting, the being true to yourself, the asking yourself, why are you not quitting? When you live like that, when you think about that, that is vitality. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Energy, keeping your energy, because one one part of vitality is just energy. So noticing the energy Mm -hmm. and saying, is this the energy I want to put out in the world? Is this the energy I want to receive? Is this the way I want to be? Yeah. That's part of vitality. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for that. I'm so <laughs> so uh, flattered to be included in that word. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, let's go to the speed round because it's my okay. Entrepreneur. Okay. Awesome. Okay. And I I only kind of know what the speed round is. So. Well, listen. This is the great part about it. It's just the first thing that pops in your head. Oh, great. Okay, great. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more about vitality. So keep that word in your mind. Okay. Okay. Cocktail of choice. Oh, anything with gin. Really? Yeah, I love gin. Gin and tonic. You are yeah. in a category of one. I guess so. Huh? I no, love. You it. know what? My sister-in-law loves gin. Okay, yeah. we two together. Yeah, I love I mean, gin. What? What drink? What are you? Are you having a martini? What are you having? I mean, I like martinis a lot. Um, I like gin and tonics. I like just gin and lemonade. I think I like gin because it's so easy. You can just add like one other thing, and it's good. Yeah, yeah. it's very flavorful. It's a strong flavor. I will say that. <laughs> um, mantra or quote that you live by. Oh, um, this sucks. Let's fix it. (laughs) I love that one. That's great. Um, what makes you feel unstoppable? Oh gosh. Um, honestly, I think when I, when I like talk to people one-on-one, I feel like my brain is firing. The synapses are active. I feel less of like a mental slug than when I'm by myself. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. so I, definitely talking and engaging and exchanging thoughts and ideas and words with other people. Yeah. I love connect. Connection is everything. Um, what is vitality to you? Oh, uh, I would say it's, it's capacity for progress. 
Ooh, I love that. That's a great definition of vitality. Who do you admire? Oh, God, this is so hard for me. Um, oh, this is so hard for me because I'm not someone who's like into hero worship. Yeah. But it could be anybody. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I mean, let me yeah. tell you, if I had a dime for every person who said Michelle Obama, I would be a rich lady. But that, but you can say whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, 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 okay. Can I, does it have to be a person or can it be like a type of person? It could be a type of person. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. Okay. I really admire people who are willing to sacrifice their own currency or power or reputation to build up other people. That is very true. I admire the same. Good. That's a great answer. Uh, what are you most proud of? Oh, um, I who quitting. I'm uh, quitting. I know that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you can say I whatever you want. Speed round. I quit the speed round. No. <laughs> yeah. I am most proud of uh, of kind of breaking out of my own perfectionism in my twenties. And that is exactly what got me here. So again, I'm proud of how I have been able to change in the face of new information about my life and the world. Yeah. That's a great one. What's exciting you the most right now? Lunch. No, I was kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It could be that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What's exciting me the most? Well, it'd be like really, I I get to go pick my dog up from daycare in a little while. And I'm really excited about that. Um, I love her so much. Um, I Instagram her like all the time. Um, (laughs) um, Because she's the most interesting thing about me. Um, But I'm really proud about um, about this book, honestly. I know too. I'm really proud that I had this idea that was just gnawing at my head for years and like now it's out of my head. And so I'm really looking forward to getting more of that out of my head through lovely conversations like this. So I'm really looking forward to this year and, you know, um, stumping for the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, writing a book, I'm proud of you right there. Publishing a book. (laughs) I'm really proud going out with that book, doing press, talking about it. I mean, all these steps are so amazing. So congratulations. That is a huge thing. I don't take that lightly. And I'm so happy that you came and talked to me today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You did. So you changed my mind. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm so grateful. And yeah, and I hope it's, I hope it's helpful to you, you know, and, and I think uh, there are bad quits, right? The book is not about like every quit is amazing, you know, like, break your whole life apart, you know, with making big life decisions. You know, the book is a collection of, of good quits that people don't have regrets about, but, you know, pay close attention. They definitely sacrifice some things that maybe you would not be willing to sacrifice, you know, and I had a bad quit in college of quitting improv, you know, and regretting it for eight years before I made it right, you know, and so there are definitely such a thing as, as bad quit, but you can avoid them if you um, are true to yourself, but also understand that you and your values are are going to change. They will evolve too. And it's yeah. okay and to you make- can revisit the quit. I mean, that's what you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I love that. Okay, well, thank you so much, Kenora, for, for joining me today. Thank you. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for your curiosity about my work and for the time you spent with me today. Thank you. Awesome, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show- please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.